you protect what you love. Hunting is a life, not a lifestyle, it's a life. This is Hunters to show people how great of a job we're doing for conservation, providing for ourselves all the things you and I understand. I think you kind of owe it to the animal that you're hunting to be as prepared as possible. You know, as I get older, I appreciate the laughs and the time and the experience. Welcome to the Speak the Language podcast. This is going to be the first turkey hunting related podcast that we do for 2018. I know we've had a lot of uh, listeners sending stuff asking for it. Uh, specifically, Clint Terry from Midgeville, Georgia, you sent in asking for us to do some turkey stuff. And so hopefully you'll listen to this one and there's going to be a lot more turkey podcasts coming after this one. But for the first one, um, I thought it would be fitting. I've got Mr. Will Primo sitting here with me, and we're going to talk some turkey hunting for a few minutes. Will, how are you? How are you today? Well, I'm trying my best to adjust my attitude. It's been rather uh, not very good the last few hours after I got this phone call that you wanted to do this podcast because <laughs> I finally got through with the shot show and had a day uh, that I could go up to the deer camp and. Um, walk around and kind of see what kind of turkey tracks and droppings I could find and all the deer hunters are gone um but you ruined that so uh <laughs> as we get into this uh maybe my attitude will change well, I, I hope so well, I do not like you late I, I do not like you at all well I love you whether or not you like me or not whatever um <laughs> uh, well here's my thoughts for this podcast this I, you know we've uh one thing that we do on this show is we take or that i like to do is i like to take hunts apart and kind of dissect them and see what made them work what made them not work and so i wanted to do that with the hunt today and i know i may be kind of putting you on the spot with this a little bit but i thought it would be fitting that if we did you know this first turkey podcast for 2018 um i thought it would be fitting if we would go back and talk about the truth one the 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 hunt that if if anyone has watched the truth one is the hunt that they think about the first one on on glasscock island can if we could talk about that one 
Well, Lake, you may have successfully changed my attitude because the smile is creeping up on my face. And I think back about that. That was 1987. And uh, Ronnie Strickland was in charge of the video. We did not know it was going to be called The Truth at the time. But I told him, I said, look, I, I, I'm, I have another job. I'm trying to make this game call business work, and I, I, I can't be going all the time. But you take anybody that will go anytime they'll go and just video it exactly as it happens. Don't fake anything. Don't redo anything. Just tell the truth. Because we wanted our, – our whole goal was to share the love of turkey hunting with people who love turkey hunt and to maybe inspire people to join the ranks and to become a member of uh, – what is now known as the 10th Legion. And if nobody's read the book by Tom Kelly, 10th Legion, and you want to be or are a turkey hunter, you need to read it. Not only will you laugh, but you will begin to understand the fraternity of which you are a member, the 10th Legion. At any rate, so uh, Cuz had a friend, Murray Warner. And um, Murray uh, worked down in Angola as a, as, a, as a guard and a big, big uh, prison down there in Louisiana. And he did that because he could have a lot of time off for hunting and fishing. Great guy. He's a member of uh, Glasscock Island on the Mississippi River. We crossed over the bridge at Natchez to Vidalia, and I believe it was south. We went south along the levee and then went to uh, Glasscock. So in the truck, you know, you're visiting. You know, what can we expect, Murray? He says, well, I think I know where these turkeys might be roosted. They're going to be over water. Turkeys roost over water a lot of times, especially if they have the opportunity because I believe it's – it's kind of a more of a safety factor for them. Um, they fly out from the shoreline uh, along a cypress break or something like that, especially yeah. in uh, hardwood river bottoms. And they're just, I guess they feel safe for predators aren't so likely to climb the tree and bug and mess with them and so forth. And they're more uh, in, in a safety zone there over water. And if they're roosted close to one side of the body of water the slough that has trees growing in it big tuba gums or cypress trees they you, you got a better than 50 50 chance of knowing what side they're gonna fly down to so we got there uh cuz has got this huge pack on his back with these real to real things trying to record this stuff because the, the equipment wasn't advanced like it is today and it's all digital today and so you had a big reel-to-reel pack on your back, and you set that down, and then you had a camera that recorded it and sent the information to the reel-to-reel pack. And um, it was a lot to fool with. But we got ready. It was starting to get light, and we hooted in a turkey gobble. And uh, so we immediately started going into position. And I remember saying to, to Murray, um, I think this might be two turkeys because it gobbled at the same time. And the next time they gobbled, the gobbles were separated just by a millisecond, and we both could tell it was two turkeys. So I said, look, he, if they both come, Murray's got a gun, I got a gun. We're going to set up right and left. I'm going to be on Murray's left. I said, so when they come, we're going to try to get both of them if they both come. And whichever one is furthest shoots first when he's ready, and if he's on the right, that's the turkey you take. And whatever one's on the left, that's the furthest or the closest, that's the one you're going to take. So <clears throat> here come the turkeys. And one of them was the head of the other one. We didn't tell Cuz this. And, you know, one of the things when you dissect a hunt, it's really cool to be able to go back and watch the video of it. Because yeah. sometimes you you realize, I, didn't, I, didn't, I don't remember clucking. I don't remember purring. I don't remember doing that. 
But you knew at the moment it was the right thing to do the way the hunt was developing. So anyway, Murray and I had our plans, and we're set up there. And finally, Cuz is getting very exasperated because turkey that is on my side, which is the closest, is way close enough to shoot. But Murray's waiting to shoot because his ain't close enough yet. So mine's coming on. And all of a sudden, you hear Cuz go, Well, shoot. <laughs> well, shoot. So it's really funny to listen to it. That's what, at least that's what my mind remembers he was saying. He might have said something else. And you could hear it on the, on the, on the Truth One video. Um, by the way, a guy called me the other day and said his son was so excited because he was able to find the Truth One for his son. His son, that's what he asked for for Christmas uh, on eBay. It's in VHS format. That was before the days of DVD. Mm-hmm. And I said, how much did you pay for that? And he said, $200. Oh, my gosh. If I'd, <laughs> if I'd have known that, I'd have printed an extra 1000 and, and put them in storage until, <laughs> until 2018. Yeah, it's, a, it's a collector's but item. Little now. did I know. Anyway, so finally, I shoot because Cuz is about to have a hissy back there. And um, so Murray goes to shoot. And you can actually see the why because the lighting was just right. His first light. And you can see that white Y actually hit the turkey in the neck, uh, along with the pattern, of course. And then, and then Murray missed his because that wasn't the plan. It didn't go like we wanted. He was waiting to be the first one to shoot, and I kind of messed all that up. But Cuz wanted to get it on video, and he did. And, and we laughed and had the best time. And um, oh, what, what 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 great memories of of trying to do something when we had no idea what we were doing. Yeah, I mean, that hunt is such a I don't know. It's such an iconic hunt in, in terms of that. Did 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 any of y'all have any idea what all that was going to turn into? That did. I mean, at that time. No, we didn't. Um, timing is a big deal. Um, there's a book uh, written by a famous author named Malcolm Glasgow, if I remember his name. Malcolm Gladwell. Malcolm Gladwell, and um, he wrote a book called Outliers. It was a New York Times bestseller. And it's a great book. And if anyone hasn't read the book and you enjoy reading, I highly suggest getting the book. Because the book talks about life when you're born, the century, the decade, the year, the month of the year, and how that influences your life. And it, it's, uh, it can really help people, especially people who are having young families and a child is born later in the year. Probably the best thing you can do is hold that child back so... Because at that age, anywhere from two to six months can be a huge physical and mental difference mm-hmm. in the development of a child. And being able to put that child in a position to compete and not be bullied, and et cetera, et cetera, is invaluable. I have a friend that, after reading the book, held his son back a year, and the kid is flourishing and doing fantastic, whereas he was failing before. So it can really can make a difference. But there are other stories in there about hockey players and what month of the year they're born in, about the Rockefellers, Vanderbilts, about Bill Gates, and about other people and other families of how they live, where they live, when they were born, and how they came through life and how the timing was so invaluable. So little did I know or cuz know at the time, or Jimmy for that matter, that the timing of that video and what we were saying was invaluable. Right. Because we were saying what turned out to be the truth, the way that came about. I mean, Cuz got through with the year, and we were looking at the footage and said, what are we going to call this tape? 
And Cuss said, I don't know. All I know is it's the truth. And I said, that's it. It's going to be called the truth. And we didn't know there's going to be a truth, too. You know, all we knew was the truth. So if you really get a first generation of the truth, it doesn't say truth one. It says the truth. Then later, when we did more packaging and produced more of them, we called it the truth one to separate it from the truth one, truth two, truth three, truth four, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Anyway, that uh, timing is a big deal. So, no, we had no idea. Um you know, but it, it, I go back to what I, I was thinking, what shot was I shooting back then? I was shooting Federal Number 4 Copper Coated. That was the deadliest shot uh, back then. Good good rank, good pattern at 40, 45 yards. Yeah. Uh, you were stretching it, if any further, in my opinion. I was shooting 12-gauge. Um, but, you know, recently um, the TSS, the Tungsten Super Shot, yeah. has been uh, found out about. I found out it. Uh, from a guy in North Carolina. I uh, was at a dinner there in North Carolina, uh, and this guy was a part of the Game and Fish uh, board uh, in North Carolina, and he told me about it. And I went, are you kidding me? What he told me was was that he was shooting turkeys with number nine shot with a 20-gauge and sometimes a 28-gauge, yeah. and he was shooting them at 50 yards. And I'm going, this guy is really full of it. <laughs> and so I started checking into it, and sure enough, um tss uh is tungsten super shot it is expensive but it is very very dense one number nine weighs the same as a number five lead if i remember my reading correctly so we reloaded some last year ben brittigan in our office who is executive producer of the of the truth and tv series right now um doing a great job yeah he um he loaded some and I loaded them for my 16-gauge and for my 20-gauge. And so Federal also found out about it, and they we talked to them. And they now are commercially putting out TSS shot for uh, the 12-gauge user and the 20-gauge user. Mm-hmm. And I believe they've also got a 410. But the shot will so impress you, it'll blow you out of the water. And I am not exaggerating. One of the guys in the office, I haven't been able to shoot it yet because I've been gone to all these shows and you've got me doing a podcast. (laughs) Um, He got a 12-gauge 3-inch. And I want to say he shot at 40 yards. I think it was 40 yards. And he had... 375 hits in a 10-inch circle. Oh, yeah. I was there. Oh, you were there? Really? Was <laughs> yeah. that right? 40 yards? Yeah. Okay, so then I don't know if y'all shot it past that or not, but I can I can tell you at 60, it was unreal. Last year, I shot my wife's youth gun. She shoots a youth 20-gauge 1100. And the loads that we loaded, which are similar to the Federals, at 60 yards, right? I had 270 BBs in a 10-inch circle. That's yeah. like... Oh my gosh! At, at sixty yards, yeah, it's crazy. With a twenty gauge, that's where uh, Jordan got into TSS before before I did, and I was the same boat as you. I, Jordan said he was gonna be turkey on with a twenty gauge. I was like, no, and uh, I ended up shooting majority of my turkeys last year with Jordan's twenty gauge because once you realize you can do what you can do and not get kicked by that twelve gauge, you don't want to do that even, anymore. Even the four ten, no, oh, yeah, uh, Colin Polk last year. Keith, oh, did he? Yeah, your buddy killed it with a four ten. How far? Thirty yards, and I mean dead. Not TSS. Dead. TSS. Where'd you get the TSS last year? Ben loaded it for us. Okay, mm-hmm. awesome. Well, 
It's, it's pretty impressive. But anyway, so back to the Glasscock story. So we were on our way producing the true series, and it went on from there. Cuss took all kind of people hunting. And yeah. I remember well, there was another hunt on there. So we were down at my camp where I had that Russell Davis owned down at a place called Rattlesnake down near a town called Hermanville. But <laughs> we were down there and called up the turkey, and I shot, and I jumped up. Look, back in the old days, um, they shot two and a half inch 12 gauge typically. They weren't even two and three quarter. And they shot seven and a half. And when you shot the turkey, a lot of times you'd knock him out, but you wouldn't kill him. So the deal was get up and get to him as fast as you can and put your boot on his neck right there in your instep, right between your heel and your, your the, the sole of your boot. And hold his neck down while he flopped till he died, till he broke his neck j- jumping up around while your foot's holding him down. And that's the way I was taught. Well, holy smoke, man. Uh, you ain't got to do that no more. No, that's not an issue anymore. Yeah, yeah. you ain't got to do that no more. You, you're hitting these turkeys that hard, so you can uh, be more a little safer and you can leisurely walk. <laughs> <laughs> you just walk up to him and get him. Uh, what about... I always think about that hunt. Uh, Cuz was filming Jimmy, and he forgot to give him the signal to shoot, which was still a kiki back then, and he never did kiki at him, so Jimmy didn't shoot, and the turkey ended up walking away, and there's that shot of Jimmy kicking Cuz in the rear end. Yeah, yeah, that, that's another one. Where I was headed with that other story was, so I shot this turkey and missed him, and I jumped up and ran to the turkey, and he's gone. He doesn't, I mean, they get away quick. Yeah. He's gone. And I went coming back to Cuz, and Cuz is under the camera, the big, huge, real, real pack is down on his right side. And there's that comedy on TV. There's a dog that always had that laugh. <laughs> had a wheezing laugh. It's a comedy we watched as kids back in the, the 50s and 60s. Right. And uh, so I, I, so we got through that moment. So I looked at Cuz. I said, did you get all that on tape? Yeah, I got you missing the turkey. I said, no, no, did you get you laughing like that? And he goes, No. And I said, okay, the deal is we're not supposed to redo anything. If we didn't get it on the first shot and we're actually happening is the truth, we're not going to redo it. I said, you're going to redo that. That was too funny. Because so <laughs> had to fake his laugh and, 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 and wheezing, <laughs> laughing in the camera as I walked back. So that, that was a redo. That was the first truth redo. Because <laughs> it was too good. It was too much fun. Right. Because was scared I was going to be upset and then I wasn't even going to use it. I said, heck no, we're going to use it. How many people miss a turkey? Everybody. Everybody. That's a <laughs> My buddy used to say, he said, if you ain't missed a turkey, you hadn't shot at a lot of them because you're going to. That's very true. Yeah, you're going to miss them. Um, so one thing I wanted to talk about after that is I don't really want to go too much into tips and tactics today. We can do that in later podcasts. What what I wanted to go to talking about the Truth One and um, just thinking about, you know, next week's the NWTF convention, uh, 42nd annual NWTF convention. And I just, when I think about, the truth one and and you and just what not only that video series but but the the company has done for for turkey hunting and, and like the nwtf I, it just puts my mind towards conservation and and what just what that means to you and what you've seen in your lifetime just through doing doing what you you've done through the videos and all that and, and working with nwtf what all you've seen for conserving turkeys and, and for the sport of hunting altogether. That's that's where my mind well, is. Well, it goes beyond turkeys, but, I mean, not to use a cliche and not to be a cliche, but thank the Lord that uh, 
conservation organizations in the wildlife world came about when they did. Ducks Unlimited, first great one, uh, NWTF, Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, uh, Quality Deer Management Association. Every one of those organizations realized what was happening to the habitat. As the population of the United States grew and you had urban sprawl and you had change in farming tactics, you you got you came up with uh, Roundup Ready that you could spray and make yeah. it easy on the farmers. I mean, the farmers, they have it pretty tough. And anything to make it easier for them and more profitable for them to borrow the money and try to grow the crops was very, very important. But within that, we lost the quail habitat. Mm-hmm. We lost wetlands. We lost turkey habitat. Um we 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 allowed the deer to become overpopulated, and we we took away so many of their homes. And 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 let me say this: I I have to bring this up because every once in a while I'll meet somebody who doesn't believe in hunting and doesn't believe uh, in what I've made my life. And I say, you know, where do you live? I get in a discussion with them. I says, you know, I understand. I don't want to judge you. I, I, do, I do want to try to say a few things to you. And if they'll keep talking to me, I say, where do you live? Well, I live in a suburb, uh, in, a, in a neighborhood. I said, yeah. How many, how many trees you got in the yard? Well, it was a field, and I, got, I planted some, but um, there weren't any. I said, well, let me tell you. At one point, that was probably woods, and it was cleared to grow a crop. And now you've come in and built a house. So you took away all the habitat through the process of from where it was to where it is now of taking away the homes for everything. Thank heavens you've planted a few trees in the yard. But what about the coons and the possums? And uh, what about all the critters that, that you don't want around your house? And what about the nesting birds? And what about upland birds? And all, all the things that conserve their habitat is a good thing and hunters put their money where their mouth is they mm-hmm. buy licenses they pay for the right to be there bird watchers and and you don't pay any of that so you want to criticize me for hunting but i tell you what a hunter will be the first one not to hunt if he thinks the resource is threatened absolutely so for me you protect what you love and if you learn to love the outdoors and you and somebody helps open up your eyes. I mean, Bermuda grass and fescue and the things that were good for cattle and grazing have totally, they're horrible for wildlife. They have almost no wildlife value that I know of. And planting those things has created a huge problem. Mm -hmm. And many places in the country Mississippi being one of the number ones has lost its quail habitat. There are very few wild quail populations left in huntable numbers. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a sad, sad story. I was in Kansas last year. You were with us. We Mm -hmm. went to uh, Jerry Page, uh, let us come to his place to hunt. And he had friends all over. And he had one, one landowner, he got permission for us to go uh, own and this was a 15,000 acre contiguous piece of property it was absolutely gorgeous it was no ag no row crops all native grasses feeding the cattle it was a cattle operation and 
we're riding down this ridge on the backside above a creek bed, big, huge creek bed with big monstrous trees. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's probably a half a mile wide. And a bird got up in front of us in, in, on the edge of the native grass. There's a road going down through. It's been clipped. And, uh, and another one got up. And I, and, I, and, I, and I looked at our host and I said, what was that? That wasn't no quail. He goes, those prairie chickens. I said, are you kidding me? <laughs> I just love them. I, I've, I've studied about them. I've read about them. I've never gotten to hunt them. But they're, they're almost endangered. Yeah. And to see them and how they can flourish if they've got the right habitat. Right. So, I mean, the, everything that we've done to the land to m- try to make it better for humans just about has taken away from our, our ability to support mm-hmm. wildlife and they support the human population as well. I mean, wetlands, they are our water filter without wetlands. We don't have great drinking water. Yeah. And so it's very important that we handle conservation correctly and we understand what brings value. And I tell you what, the NWTF, the national wild Turkey Federation, if you're not a member, I urge you to become a member. The magazine is full of information. It's a lot of fun to get and just sit down and read. Their online stuff is great. Um, But they get it, and they're fighting for all of us. And this convention, 40,000 people in two and a half days just about, uh, it's it's incredible. In Nashville at the Grand Ole Opryland Hotel, Gaylord Hotel there in Nashville, it is a bunch of turkey hunting habitat loving nuts i'm telling you <laughs> it's a fun time it um, is to go back I, I was thinking about that um thinking about what you were talking about how the hunters saving the habitat i always think about uh I, I don't know if i've ever told you this but it was one of my favorite turkey hunts of all time was that time you know what if i say the hunt for ss you'll know what i mean oh yeah <laughs> but we didn't kill ss no, no we, we tried but i think about um your place it didn't have turkeys on it when you got it. Well, the state brought some in after I started the habitat restoration, and the habitat turkey habitat was taken away. Uh, so I was able to just uh, where where I could uh, clip the roads wider and uh, provide the habitat. Provide uh, I put uh, 1,400 acres into warm season native grasses mm-hmm. for the quail and turkeys and the fawning for the deer, and the the real test for me was if I can if I can take what few quails are here and and see them expand, I know that I would have really made an impact. Right. I'm gonna tell you what, we went on a hunt a couple of years ago, and in four hours of hunting, we found six coveys. We counted 144 birds. We feel like a pretty solid number, and we killed 16. Didn't didn't uh, wouldn't let anybody hunt the singles. Man, I'm telling you what, you talk about rewarding. Yeah. It, it was fun. Yeah. And it, it was it was great to see. And I talked to the manager who's still working for the guy I sold my farm, but the guy who right. bought it from me. Um, I was talking to his manager, Johnny St. Clair, and uh I said, Johnny, how the quail? He said, Well, I see him all the time. And I tell you what, he made me Johnny made me cry this summer. He stepped out of his house there on the property and recorded I guess you could hear probably four to six different males whistling isn't that great oh my gosh that's from a cell phone buddy <laughs> <laughs> yeah i can even remember the first time that i went out there turkey hunting with you you know i mean if you grow up 
around here you you get taught i mean there's no turkeys in the delta that's just what you're told mm-hmm. and i went out there we heard i think we heard four or five different turkeys gobbling that morning it was just incredible to me well the habitat that really was left for the turkey was in between the, the levees so it was between the river and the mississippi river levee and on the louisiana side between the river and the and the louisiana levee and at times when you don't have flood and, and re- re- repeating years it's unbelievable how effective that yeah. Mississippi River swamp bottomland is at producing turkey habitat and turkey broods. And outside the levee, there's agriculture, chemicals. So I took the cotton out of production on the place, put it in, put it in uh, into trees. Did many things that tried to add back to what 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 the wildlife needed habitat wise. The deer grew bigger. Uh, the turkeys responded. The quail responded. Uh, the ducks responded. I mean, it's just yeah. it's a lot of fun. Yeah, Habitat so, is the name of the game. Absolutely. And as NWTF says, save the habitat, save the hunt. <laughs> so um, last subject, and then I'll, I'll get out of your hair because I know you're just loving me here, messing up your time to go out in the turkey that, woods. That was a false statement. <laughs> but um, so I've always thought about this, and this is something that was that was really special to me. Uh, I want to talk to you about what it means to you to to pass on your love for specifically turkey hunting to other people. And what what I think about is is um, two conspe- consecutive springs, spring of 2016 and spring of 2017. Uh, I was lucky enough to see one of one of my dear friends, Keith Polk, uh, both of his sons, uh, his well not his youngest anymore because he has another son now, but his his oldest and his middle son killed their first turkeys, and after they shot their turkeys and we, you know, celebrated and everything, I called you and you talked to both of them yep. after they shot their turkeys. And, and just the, I can still remember some of the things you said to them. And it was just very, very evident to me, not only one that you were just so genuinely happy that, that they had killed those turkeys and got to experience that, but it was so much beyond just killing the turkey because you, you talked to Colin. I remember last year you talked to him about just, seeing the woods come back to life and seeing birds migrate north and it was just i've always just appreciated that about you and that's that's what i want to talk to you about is how important it is to you to 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 pass that on to someone else you protect what you love you take somebody turkey hunting killing the turkey is part of it maybe you could be successful that's a fun moment but understanding scratching the turkeys do is they're trying to uncover leftover acorns and new green shoots up under the leaf matter and stuff. That uh, Understanding their footprints, understanding the droppings, understanding the roost sites, understanding how turkeys move in the woods, understanding there's so much to it. And in the process, all of a sudden you'll be walking along and you'll see a mushroom. And it'll be, oh my gosh, those are morels. And how good are they? And... <laughs> Then you'll see some mushroom. Ooh, I bet that's a poisonous one because you hadn't seen it. Just seeing that, seeing the world come back to life and seeing that time of year, seeing the little greens, that's what I call the leaves, as they come back out tender and pretty and they're a color of green that they aren't, uh, that they aren't that color at any other time of year, be it oak trees or ash trees or j- j- cottonwoods, whatever, and they're tender and they're, you can tell they're, they're new, they're brand new. But you protect what you love. So to be able to share, just this week, I met a person that, wonderful gentleman, retired from the John Deere tractor business. 
78 years old, and his name is Jim Green. And he, I said, well, so what you doing with your time? He said, well, I'm, I never could hunt too much because all my business was in the spring taking care of farmers, but I, I, I got a little place that I'm, I'm turkey hunting a little bit. And I said, but I don't know what I'm doing, but I, I enjoy trying. I says, hey, let's go. I ain't going to take a gun. I just want to go be with you. <laughs> and then I met another guy, Scott. I've known Scott for a while, but he told me about his son, Scott Gideon. And he said, man, we don't know what we're doing. We love turkey hunting, but we don't know what we're doing. I said, well, let's go. I'll, I'll go with you, and, and, and we'll just talk about it, and we'll just visit. Let's start out with calling and, and understand the different things, be it a mouth call, a slate call, a box call, how to locate a turkey with a crow call, with an owl call, with a peacock call. Uh, with a pileated woodpecker, whatever, just so you could enjoy things. Yeah. And then how to slow down, how to take away from what you left in, the, in, in your busy world. A turkey doesn't have to go to the dentist. He doesn't have to go to school. All he's got to do is make a living. And making a living for a turkey is staying alive. <laughs> and he uses his ears and his eyes. And he doesn't think twice about many things. So if he sees movement, he's out of there. And he stands up there in them woods. I know you told me about a hunt you were on last year on public ground, and you saw that turkey out there, and all you could see was that big, huge periscope <laughs> sticking up and looking for you. And I'm going, ooh, I love it, I love it, I love it. <laughs> and I don't want him to see me, so I'm crouched down, got my knees all the way up to my chin. I'm mm -hmm. behind, behind that tree, and I got my gun. I'm like, just get a little bit closer. Just get a little bit closer. You know, it's, it, it's tough. It's fun. Yeah. And uh, when you share that enthusiasm and share that love, maybe they too will learn to love it and then they too will want to protect it and want to understand what owning a piece of property is all about be it an acre or a thousand acres and how you can better manage that habitat to not only benefit the land but also benefit your pocket as well there's ways to do that and the Quality Deer Management Association has some great information about mm -hmm. how to manage land QDMA Gamekeepers, Mossy Oak Gamekeepers. Oh my gosh, what a fantastic group of guys. Yeah. Bobby Cole running that group. And what they give you in their magazines to learn about things that you can do on a small piece of property or a big one to enhance the habitat, have more fun, raise your kids, get out there and enjoy God's gift to us all, which is the great, great outdoors. Mm -hmm. Unbelievable. Well, that, um, yeah, I, I mean, you took the words out of my mouth. That, that wasn't way. a short answer, sorry. <laughs> no, 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 I didn't want a short answer. That was what I wanted. Uh, but uh, I'm going to get out of your way because, again, I know you just you just, <laughs> you just love having me over. I, I can come over here same time tomorrow, right? We'll do this again? Nope. <laughs> nope, this uh, is it. Yeah, so guys, look, thank you all for listening. Again, first turkey podcast of the year. Uh, we'll get into some later ones. We'll talk about some, some tips and tactics and public land stuff and all that kind of stuff. But today I just wanted to talk about – you know what we talked about you know just reminiscing and conservation and all that so will thank you for your time as always lake i want to give one tip okay a lot of people look at me like i'm crazy but as you know i do not load my gun till i sit down that's true and if it's an automatic i learn to load it real slow and to ease that breech forward as i punch the button because i don't want to make any noise if right. it's a pump i ease that four inch move it slowly forward to load that shell Here's the deal. You're walking. You're with somebody else. Your gun's swinging around. It is so easy to point that gun in a direction that mm -hmm. you don't want it to be. So you've got to be more and more than conscious. Mm -hmm. And not loading it and then unloading it when you get up, 
is the right thing to do because you cannot pull that bullet back, that shell back, that shotgun water pellets moving out of that barrel. Once that trigger's pulled, you can't pull it back. And a safety accident in any hunting situation is a tragedy. Mm-hmm. It's tragic. So I urge everybody to think about it. Don't load your gun till you sit down. Be careful. And when you approach a vehicle with your gun, uh, open the breech. Let everybody know. Tell them my gun is unloaded yeah. and show it to them. It's just a great thing to make you conscious about your gun, whether it's loaded or not, and having everyone around you feel comfortable. Because some people are uncomfortable about saying anything. Yeah. I tell you what, I'm not. Lake knows that. If yeah. a gun gets pointed at somebody or at me, I go, whoa, whoa. Let's let's get yeah. this figured out right now. We're not going to do that. Yeah. You, I, you've, I, I've, I've always seen you say, hey, breach open. or that. Ever since I've started hunting with you, I've done that. Yeah, it's, just, it's just a good safety practice. So what, that was one final tip. Yeah. Enjoyed yeah. being with you late. Absolutely. Enjoyed you letting me come over here and, and, and uh, yeah, get in the middle of your busy schedule. So, guys, as always, thank you for listening. Look, it is getting around turkey time, so I always say send in questions. But specifically now, if you've got any kind of turkey questions, send those in. We'll cover them in future podcasts. Will, again, thank you for your time. And as always, guys, thank you for listening to the Speak the Language podcast. Good luck, everybody.